0: Everybody. this is Shi Xi Xiao, this is yet another new episode of Salesforce Web Podcast. Today I'm sitting with a new guest, his name is Lorenzo Frattini. Hello, Lorenzo. Hello, Shi. Lorenzo, would you like to introduce yourself before we start? Sure, of course,
1: with pleasure. So I'm the founder of Clayton. We are a Salesforce-focused security scanning and code analysis tool for Salesforce. We are um, a small organization that is based in London and uh, I uh, come from a technical background I've been working with within the Salesforce ecosystem for the past six years I believe uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, work with consulting partners and I am a certified technical architect so I come from that kind of uh, angle and project complex project experience uh, let's put
0: it this way Yeah, so I know that your company is Clinton, and uh, you and uh, uh, Robert Sossaman, you had uh, a play-by-play video with uh, Don Robbins talking about basically your tool.
1: Yes, we were talking about the topic, actually. So the the broader topic of static code analysis is something that uh, comes up a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, developers, you know, they normally don't deal with the technicalities of it. It's just more uh, something they... Want to use to make their job easier, mm-hmm. and there is value to it if done if done properly. But you uh, you don't typically deal with the type of algorithms and techniques that are involved, right? This mm-hmm. is a detail that is typically you know hidden from yeah. even from the view of developers, right? Yeah. So the idea with that was just to um, do a session that. Um, was uh, the intention was really to you know just uh, um, tell a bit more educate a bit more about the topic and you know some of the key um, concepts and things that people should be aware of when picking their tools and you know the pros and cons of like different approaches but that was the that was the idea hopefully it was enjoyable and informative yeah
0: it was definitely yeah and i will put the link down in our show notes for our listeners to to check please. Yeah. And today our topic is about technical debt. Yeah. It's a kind of broader scope. But the reason actually I want to bring you in to talk about this, because in your company, you generated the material. It's actually really about the technical debt. That's like the wisdom your company, what you have found out about the technical debt. Am I right?
1: Well, Yes, well, we, we published a study around this uh, that was specifically intended for um, telling a bit more to Salesforce professionals, this mm-hmm. is what we found out, this is what we learned, right? So uh, what we do with our uh, solution, we basically help teams that work on the Salesforce platform and build apps or solutions for the customers. We, we help them in getting their code right. So we make sure that it's, doesn't contain any vulnerabilities and it's scalable and fruit proof so in 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 very simple terms we help them avoid technical debt right so mm. because we have them and we are building a technology that processes a lot of code uh mm-hmm. we can and and we detect problems and we detect when those problems are fixed we have a fairly good idea of what are the most common problems right so mm. um we we scan roughly eighty five million lines of code per day um, so that means that we we have a pretty a good understanding of what are the common issues and the the the, the things that typically um, developers leave behind or maybe the mistakes they make uh, there might be a number of reasons right I, I, yeah. I, I don't think this is a uh, this has anything to do with blame it's more about understanding what is typically holding teams down and uh, holding teams down and, you know, creating um, uh, friction and slowing down agility in the long term. So that is the kind of uh, the rationale we had when we decided to kind of publish a handbook around this. Mm -hmm. So the handbooks cover um, some of the key findings, like what are the most common problems, like the top 10 uh, Mm -hmm. things we found out and how big is technical debt? because technical debt is something that it can be quantified actually should be quantified every team should you know have a, a measure of that right yeah. and 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 we try to provide a framework to do that so we we tell salesforce teams uh, these are uh, this is how you can measure it and this is how you can find out how bad it is and what you mm. should do about it right yeah. so there are uh, that, that that is a kind of Uh, the intention behind the the work we did. It's the first for us but it was a very successful experiment a lot of people downloaded so uh, it means that it's certainly a topic that a lot of teams care about which is a very good thing
0: Yeah, good. You know I'm one of the people who cares about this both from my personal uh, experience and uh, because I'm working in a consulting company so I get the chance to meet a lot of customers who are using Salesforce work So from a personal point of view, I'm a developer, I'm writing code. Even when I write a, a personal side project, I feel that by the beginning, it's really easy to control the code quality. You easily design the solution, the software architect is easy. But along the time, even if I have only one person in the team, the code just get a bit uh, rusted. And then you just get bad and bad. And then one day, I really don't want to touch my code anymore. <laughs> and then the round, yeah. actually, it's a loop. It come back again. OK, I shut down this uh, project, I start a new one. Then the same thing happens. So that's really yeah. <laughs> got me thinking, you know, got me thinking, what is this? What, why it happened like this? Was because I'm not capable of writing good code and not capable of controlling this architect? Or is this something else? So I also look at, look at a lot of books about this. So technical yeah. debt is definitely something I'm really interested in from my point of view. And also the customers, I've seen many customers who have had the Salesforce for a couple of years in work. And then eventually, they're suffering so much, they have to start from the beginning again. They just toss away yeah. the existing environment and start new. And, you know, a funny thing is that a lot of things happen again, just like my personal project. After two years, the ore gets kind of smelled again. So it's not really, yeah. it's really not easy to, to control this. So Uh, it's
1: very hard. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. And it's never about you. I mean, uh, we, as developers, we, we are creative individuals. We are given a problem and we approach it in creative ways. I mean, rarely there is a right and wrong kind of a binary uh, approach to coding. Right. It's a Mm -hmm. creative exercise and uh, there are infinite variations and uh, infinite approaches to every, everything we do, right? So um, you shouldn't blame yourself too much if you experience it, it's perfectly normal. And uh, the, the code you're writing today is, uh, it, it, it may not be perfect. It's definitely better than the code you used to write one year ago. And you will be surprised how better you will become over time. So it's uh, you shouldn't worry about what you're experiencing. You're, uh, as everyone else, everyone goes through the same journey, and it never ends. So that is one problem you shouldn't worry about.
0: <laughs> Thanks. You're one of the nicest guests I have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's true. I mean it. And uh, I. So the, there is. I mean, I haven't watched. Maybe I will change my mind. If I look at <laughs> her. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that um, it's okay. It's perfectly fine. And uh, I, I, there is always. Um, the important thing is to have a, a an interest in uh, getting better over time, but is 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 not it's not professional or a developer specific type of aptitude. It's something that it's I believe it should be done across everything we do in our life. The fact that technical depth is something worth. Um, Uh, talking about especially in this ecosystem is something you 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 mentioned yourself right so Mm. we are uh, this is an ecosystem that is primarily led by consulting companies that are of course they are invested in happy customers but at the end of the day you know we are uh, a lot of people that are coming in solving a problem leaving, and customers often they're not very well equipped to um, measure technical depth and so what often happens is that um, once some solution hits requirements uh, in an acceptable way and gets to production and uh, gets across the line, that's that's fine, uh, but complexity piles up over time. The, the concept of technical depth is exactly an expression of how when you take a shortcut now, you're actually building up a debt that you will have to pay at some point in the future. Um, it's, I think you're starting with the right approach, right? The right mindset. You care about these things, even mm. on the, low, the, the small scale. And that's, that's exactly what I, uh, I would recommend doing. So okay. I think you're doing the right thing.
0: Okay, thanks. <laughs> and uh, I also read the study material your company shared. Uh not only it talks about the technical debt, how important it is, and it really gives a number of things related to that so for example, what's the top three common technical debt in the salesforce works? You're talking about for example the, the test the data factory that's rank oh, right. ranking okay. number Toses, one right right <laughs> so
1: yeah well so let me let me um just just to clarify a little bit about you know the approach we're we're taking on that. So okay. technical debt is a broad term. It mm-hmm. basically is is something that is a concept that captures the entire need for reworks that you are piling up, right? so mm-hmm. in in a sense, technical debt is the money you have to pay to get back to a healthy state in your solution code base, whatever you're mm. building, product, mm. right? So it's a broad term, it's not just bugs in the code or like poor solution, it, uh, that is a big part of it, mm-hmm. but it could also be processes that you don't have. One could argue, and rightly so, that if you're not agile enough in your de- deployments, mm-hmm. yep. that's an area of technical debt, because that is Indeed. something that is So mm. it's a broad term, Uh, But, of course, we focus on the code-related part of technical depth. So there is an element that is um, very easy for us to quantify because we can look at all your code and metadata Mm. uh, that define your org and cross-check how many best practices you're violating, how many security vulnerabilities you have in your code, and we Mm. can estimate, okay, how long will, will it take to fix those? So in that sense, we can translate an analysis into a number that could be hours of fixes that we predict, that we, mm. we estimate, or or money, of course. So typically you will hear about the measurement of technical debt is in money because that's, mm. that's basically what a debt is, right? So mm. in our handbook, what we did was we looked at everything that we learned since we started doing what we do, and um, we looked at what are the, the top problems that we see more often, right? And that's that's the ranking you refer to. And I don't okay. remember. Okay,
0: I but I, think I, I, can, I can read it yes. for you. So the the ranking right. first is the, the test the data factory.
1: Right. Okay, that's an interesting one. So yeah, we, it, we are basically saying that that is the number one cause of of uh, yes. Uh, Technical debt. That, I, I I don't think if that is the right way of uh, thinking about it, but it's definitely a problem that is very common. Mm-hmm. And now I'll tell you why this is a problem. Um, you you are basically in Salesforce. You are building your applications around objects, and whenever you are building logic, you need to test this logic. There is actually required by Salesforce itself mm-hmm. that you have a certain degree of test coverage, which means that you need to have a certain number of test methods, right? The fact that you're not using a a data factory or test builder means that in your test, you have something like account A equals new account, insert account, and then your test. Mm -hmm. Why that is a problem? That is a problem because multiply these by hundreds or thousands of tests. The day your admin creates a validation rule on your account, you have suddenly hundreds of hours of fixes Mm -hmm. just because you created your objects directly in the test method. I understand it's a very technical statement and it's not for everyone to understand the the, the nuances of this. It's not in itself a big deal, but it's a tiny thing that can have a major impact. And we see that very, very often. Mm I, I think it's something like almost 60%, if I remember correctly. I mean, six or out of 10 have this 100%.
0: Okay. Because I, I remember, I read documentation from Salesforce, the test data factory is really a best practice. It was recommended. And also from the coding point of view, do not repeat yourself as a principle, right? So when you whatever yeah. you do, whether it's a production code or the unit test, you repeat to create the same object records, then you should put it yeah, in so, a centralized place. So
1: the idea is simple, right? You have a single place, data factory, there is a more modern approach, I would suggest, to look into, which is called the, the data
0: builders. Data builders, the, okay. The,
1: the, basically, the idea is that you have a, it's different style to do the same thing. You have a central class in your code whose purpose is to just to create instances, valid instances of your objects, ready Mm -hmm. to be inserted in the database. So give me a test account, right? And you have a single place in your code and all your tests will use that method, that factory or that data builder, to have a valid test account to be inserted in the database. So whenever you change the validation rules around the account, there is one single line of code that you have to add. Mm. Even if your tests are um, 100,000,
0: yeah. right?
1: why if you don't do this, you every single test that uses an account is a test that is going to break and is a test that you will have to fix. And every fix will slow your agility down. So like a feature that will take one day becomes a feature that takes 50 days.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Salesforce Way podcast is all the time looking for both guests and topics. If you have guest recommendation or any topics you'd like to listen to, don't hesitate to let me know. My Twitter, LinkedIn and the email information is at the end of the show notes of each episode. You can also find it on the salesforceway.com website. I really, really, really need help from you on this matter. Because only you, my lovely listeners, know what yourself want. So please help me invite great guests to talk on great topics so that we spread great knowledge. Now let's get back to the show. I think it's easier for developers to understand if you have code sometime, you have some experience, you definitely have suffered from this point.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean if you have looked at, into someone else's code, I, I think that is a very good thing about consultancy actually. When you when you when you have to look into someone else's code <laughs> and maybe you're frustrated about it, that makes you become better and to me i think you, you want to leave the world a better place like and i feel like yeah uh, you you want to do it as well as a developer you want to kind of fix things yeah. and leave them in a in a, in a yeah. nicer state
0: indeed indeed and uh, the other point ranking in the list is the dummy unit tests i'm not really yeah. sure what that is could you open it up for us
1: well yeah, okay that's that's uh, that's another one i mean as a developer you need to make sure that everything you write needs to have a certain amount of test coverage if you don't have enough coverage you cannot deploy so everyone is like super crazy about coverage right the problem is that sometimes people just you know maybe they are, they have to cut corners or ship to production quickly and mm. what they do is they create tests that are not actually checking anything they're just they just exist to traverse the code just to go to, to boost the coverage up but they don't actually assert that your logic behaves in a certain way.
0: There's no validation basically.
1: There is no validation. So you typically you open an org and you find like a lot of like <laughs> methods that exist for no reasons, just to to be very long and very silly, okay. like okay. I plus plus repeated a hundred of times.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you have a test that just run that. And that's a logic that that's that's a piece of logic that is absolutely uh, not relevant. Hmm. It's not used anywhere. It's just there for the sake of boosting coverage up.
0: Yeah, this so is truly really insane. A little bit to, to me. To be
1: honest with you, it is. It is. It's a, It's a very. It's a very stupid way to solve this problem <laughs> because again, this is like massive or technical debt. You are solving a problem like now and creating a much bigger hmm. problem that someone in the future will have to deal with.
0: Yeah, I understand you mentioned it as well. Uh, Sometimes people have the pressure, right? You need to deploy your code by tomorrow. So there's a hard deadline there. So that's the reason maybe you do this dummy unit test without a search. And also recently I also chatted with one of my colleagues. He really did this I++ plus plus. Like 100 times, just to increase the, the coverage rate to 75%, then he can deploy the code. The reason was that uh, because we're consulting, the previous uh, coder doesn't do a good job with the code coverage. He doesn't want to cover the ass, you know. Those things are are done by somebody else. He doesn't have time, or he doesn't want to. So he created those side plus plus lines. To me, this is like just ridiculous. But I accept that. I mean, it happens in the real life.
1: Yeah, I mean, people pay by the by the hour. What can possibly? Yeah, indeed,
0: that's the consulting (laughs) business. That's the brutal truth.
1: To be honest, I think there are very good consulting companies that try to to do things well. So mm. we work, for example, with a lot of uh, a lot of our customers are consulting companies that they come to us and say, "Hey, um, can we use our, your technology to make sure that everything we do across all our teams is always top-notch? Can you guys help us to achieve that?" And what we do is we monitor everything they do and 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 block the bad stuff mm. uh, so that never get shipped to customers so i think that are, there are a lot of good uh companies like there that, that try to you know move away from these like old ways of doing things mm. and err deeply about uh, long-term success of their customers i, I believe we are the the, the point where in, in the ecosystem where it's mature enough like people have done this type of things in the past but there is now a very good place for people that want to be different and do things properly and care deeply Mm. about quality and Mm. want to be that uh, kind of a unique selling point of what makes them different.
0: Okay and of course in the documentation there are some other technical debts in the code you mentioned unbounded suckle and you mentioned the DML in loop Uh, just due to the the time limitation we won't really go into those details but uh, our listeners uh, go to check the documentation. I mean, really there are good insights over there. I think one more interesting thing I want to mention here is that the document mentioned about the risk of factors, like in what scenario, in what situation the technical death will increase faster or slower, those like a dimensions. That's a really good insights.
1: As a technical leader or um, as a business leader, Um, you need to understand where you are and managing risk. You should be able to gauge where you are in terms of risk. So, I mean, there are some obvious things that raise the risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, if you have a high turnover, uh, if you're like companies that have a very high turnover, uh, developers change very quickly. Of course, that is a very, very high um, but that raises the risk, right? For the reasons you just mentioned,
0: right? Yeah. Someone
1: yeah. comes yeah. in, does deployment, does <laughs> something that be quick and dirty, but hey, I'm I'm not around tomorrow. Mm. So someone else will right. Mm. So that's that's a risk factor. And there is also the cost of having developers near you is likely to be high, right? Mm. So there is a natural tendency to offshore a lot. The risk when you offshore sure is that the teams become distributed, they work on different time zones, yeah. and there's, there, there is an introduced complexity around the, the governance, right? Uh, the team writes the code, but when the code is ready to be reviewed, the, 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 the business is, is going to sleep, or maybe the technical architect will like look at it tomorrow. Yeah. There, is a, there is a barrier and that raises the risk as well, right? So if your mm-hmm. team is large, or has a high turnover is geographically distributed all these reasons should you know a good a, a good technical architect a, a good a good business leader should like mm. recognize that there is a higher risk and that and therefore technical debt is likely to be uh, growing faster
0: Cool. Thanks, Lorenzo. I think we had a great chat about the technical debt. We started with single individual developer. I had the puzzle. And they told me, don't worry, everybody has the same problem. <laughs> and then we talk about uh, the top three common technical debts. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that when I read in the documentation. And then also the risk factors, which is more like a more higher level for the technical lead and for the business owner to really understand what's your current situation. You, you need to understand where you are, right? You don't want to accumulate more, more debt in the future. So I think that's a really good conversation. And again, I recommend our listeners to check the documentation we will share in our show notes. Thank you, Lorenzo, and and for your company claim, though. So before we close the session, do you still have something else you still want to add?
1: And I would be very happy if any of the listeners is interested in what we're doing and want to connect with me either on Twitter or LinkedIn, read the handbook, tell me what you think about it, uh, Mm. what type of information you would like to be included in the next edition, right? We would like this to be something that everyone in the Salesforce community finds valuable. Right, so um, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to to talk to you today. And um, I hope we will have another chat sometime soon.
0: Yeah, thanks Lorenzo. It was great to have you on the show. I will put your LinkedIn information, your Twitter information, maybe the client and company information. in know, share as well. Yes. So, okay. okay. Thank
1: you. Okay. Thank you. Yep. See you next time. Bye.